Welcome everyone to Believing and to the start of a brand new collection of sermons designed for the season that we are in. We are in the beginning of the holiday season, Christmas time here at Believing, where we celebrate together all that God has done for us, all that he wants to do for people. And it's just, this is a season of celebration. I mean, even if you're joining us today and you're leaning into this sermon, you're not a church person. You're not a religious person, but you came, you tuned in, you leaned in, somebody gave you this message and said, listen to it. Here's the thing I know about you. We all try to be about celebrating this time of year, don't we? I mean, come on, everybody gets in, involved on some level, whether it's you attend a party, whether it's you put a tree up at the house, whether it's you sing a little chorus to a little song with a little fa-la-la-la-la-la-la, you put on that radio station, or you pull up that, that playlist that ain't got nothing but Christmas music, and for the, for the entirety of this month, it's just going to be Christmas song after Christmas song after Christmas song. Listen, I know this season is a season of celebration, but I came to call into question your celebration on today. See, we're beginning this new collection of sermons designed for this season. And what my intention is, is to point you to the reason to celebrate and to maybe point out for some of us that we have no idea why we even celebrate. We, we, we like those random fans that just be clapping and celebrating. What are we excited about again? Like, I know we happy, but what are we happy for again? I know, I, I know, I see them excited. I see them. So why are we celebrating? I think if there's any moment, any time in the year where we have no idea what we're celebrating and why we're celebrating it, it never reaches the pinnacle that it reaches at any other point in the year than it does at Christmas. Because at Christmas, we will say things, and we will sing things, and we have no idea what they mean. Come on now. You know you've been listening to Christmas music for a few days. Some of y'all been listening to it for a few months, but that's a whole other thing. We can pray for you. You know, just click that button. We'll pray for you. right? Like, but we will sing things in this season, say things in this season that we don't say any other time of year. And to be quite honest, we don't even fully know what they mean. We run around talking about how we jolly. When else do you talk? Somehow we have told ourselves, because we sang it somewhere, that if we get enough holly, then we'll feel jolly. What is that? This season is weird like that. This season will find us saying things and singing things, and we have no idea what they mean. Even spiritual people, even people who trying to follow Jesus, people who believe the Bible, be singing stuff, be thinking they being oh so spiritual, and they are singing some nonsense. Mary, did you know? To which my reply to that refrain in the song is, yes, <laughs> Mary knew. Why do we sing a song we don't sing it, but other people do, you know what I'm saying? Like, why do people sing a song that asks a question that the scripture actually makes very, very clear that, yes, she knew. Mary wasn't wondering. Mary knew. In fact, the fact that she knew was the reason that she was the one. Mary, did you know? We, oh, it moves me. <laughs> she knew. We sing. We sing songs that are so offensive 
But because of the tone and the jingle and the jazz band in the back, we don't think anything of it. We got Christmas songs we'll be playing on repeat where an old dude will be slipping something into old girl's drink to help her stay at his house even though she don't want to stay at his house. We have words for that, and I ain't even going to say them words. But, like, because it's cold outside, you're going to put a little something in my drink, and now I feel a little crazy, and I think I'm just, what is this? But it's how we celebrate the season. My least favorite Christmas song, if I could just be so honest, is, uh, is it's just terrible. Like, I, I understand the angle that it's supposed to be, believe me, but there's something about this. Um, everybody that sings, everybody that's ever recorded, records it in this sort of uh, seductive voice. And they're singing in this seductive voice a, a song to Santa. And so Santa, baby? My son knows this, and he loves to run around, like bringing a speaker, playing that song as loud as he can this time of year. Because I, I think it is utterly ridiculous. Because that's what we do in this season. We sing songs that make no sense. We say stuff that makes no sense. We, we sing and say stuff that we have no idea what it means. And therein is the gateway to our issue. Because there are some beautiful Songs of Christmas, songs that communicate why we celebrate, what this season is truly all about, the, the good news of great joy that is to be for all people. We sing songs that declare that the problem is it gets muddled in the laundry with all the other nonsense and stuff, and we don't even know what we are singing. There are songs that communicate the, the beautiful picture of who God is and how much God loves us and how much God cares for us and his plans for our lives, his plans for humanity. And the, we, we say the words and we miss the meaning. Through this series, I want to lean into one of those songs. I want to turn our attention for a few weeks uh, to some verses within a classic Christmas song. And when I say classic, I mean classic. I mean classic that it was written several hundred years ago by one of the revivalists, you know, uh, in our world. I mean classic in that, uh, in that it has been sung and recorded in churches, in, in concert halls, in studios. Mariah Carey herself, every year when she thaws out and comes to make that money at Christmas, this is on Mariah Carey's great Christmas album from 1994. Can you believe that? Like, it is a song called Hark the Herald Angels Sing, which the title in itself says everything I've been saying. Because there are words just in that title that you or I would never use. And the problem is, because we would never use them, we say them without thinking about them. And because we say them without thinking about them, sometimes we miss the meaning, we miss the truth, we miss the hope, we miss the life that this song is trying to communicate to us. And so each week we are going to turn our attention for a moment to a verse from this song. And really, I'm going to key in on just a phrase within each song, which I will help you see from the scriptures 
why it's so significant. And my prayer is that over these couple of weeks, we could deposit on the inside of you something that would enable you to celebrate in this season like you ain't ever celebrated before. Hark is what we are calling this series. And to hark is to do something that we do not normally do. To hark is to listen closely to an announcement being made. In other words, it's to say, I'm about to tell you something you need to hear. So listen up and listen close because there's an announcement being made that you don't just want to know, you need to know. So listen up closely to what the Herald has to say to the good news that the angels bring to us at Christmas. Now we're going to start today with verse 1, and I'm just going to read verse 1 of this song. And verse 1 will sound relatively familiar to you. I promise by the time we get to verse 2 and verse 3, you're going to be like, this is in that song. But verse 1, verse 1 we're familiar with while missing what it's actually all about. Come on, you can sing this if you sit at the house. I ain't going to sing it for you. I'm going to read it to you. You can start playing it now if you want to. You can sing along with me. You can read along with me. Here's what verse 1 of Hark the Herald Angels Sing communicates to us. It says that, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. And with angelic hosts proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Whether it is in a movie you watch, a TikTok you come across, or you try to walk into some store and there's some carolers outside, I bet you, you will hear those words sung this holiday Season, Even if not in an in-person worship experience with us, because we're going to be singing it every week in some form or another. Harking. Harking. Listening closely. See, the reality is even those people who will sing it, those people who will make videos about it, those people who may communicate it in some capacity within a movie, the truth is, is that there are two things about them. They are celebrating. That's why they're singing it. That's what they would tell you is the reason why they're singing. We are celebrating the season. We are celebrating. Oh, they're going to get spiritual. We are celebrating Jesus. But they actually have no idea why. They are singing a song, celebrating a thing, saying, a, giving honor and giving oh, all of this that is Christmas. But they have no idea why. If you're taking notes today, whether through our website or maybe you're writing some down on your own, I would love for you to write this thought down in your notes. This is a season for celebration. That's what Christmas is. Christmas is a season undoubtedly for celebration. That's why we are celebrating. That's why I invite you into the celebration even now. But I want to give you that this is the reason for celebration. This is the season for celebration. And what we actually just read within verse one of Hark the Herald Angels Sing actually gives us the reason why we celebrate. Why does Christmas even matter? 
There are people who sometimes, even in, a, in an air of arrogance or an air of intellectualism or an air of even spirituality, try to diminish the holiday season. They try to diminish the celebrating and the lights and the trees and the presents and the, and the pageants and the preaching and the songs of this season. I ain't one of them. I love it. I love all of them. Man, I love, I love uh, Christmas drinks, you know, like some peppermint flavor and stuff. And like, kind of like, it feels right this time. I love it. Ain't nothing spiritual about that, but I love it. I love Christmas trees and love all this. I love that we exchange gifts. I love that we celebrate. I love that kids make lists. I love seeing, seeing families get their picture taken with Santa. That's why we bring Santa to Christmas Palooza. Y'all know he gonna be here, right? Like, we do all of this. I love celebrating because it blesses people. It really does help uplift people. If you've ever been to our physical location on Summer Avenue or driven by, particularly in this season at night, what you'll find is that the whole outside of our building is decorated in lights. We moved into this facility in March of 2020, and that Christmas, at the end of such a difficult and tragic and confusing year, we made the decision, yes, to do our first Christmas palooza, but also we made a decision to decorate the outside of our building. And I still remember that first year that we had it decorated. We would have people come by at night, and like, if somebody was here, they would knock on the door or just come in just to say thank you for the lights. Some of them would tell us, you know, they'd driven up and down Summer Avenue for years and, and had never seen a, a commercial building and anything decorated like this. And just thank you. It made them feel valuable. Or seeing greenery and seeing lights, it just uplifted their spirits. I'm all for uplifting people. You come to my house, baby, we decorate for Christmas. You know what I'm saying? Like, we go forward. In fact, the day after Thanksgiving, we call Christmas tree day. And at my house, we decorate everything, inside and out. Now, we weren't always big decorate outside people, I'm just telling you. But we, uh, we moved a few years ago, and the first Christmas in this house, uh, my wife was like, I, I think it'd be great if we did lights outside. I said, okay, we'll do lights outside. So we did lights outside, and it was great that year. And I was thinking this was going to be like Millie Vanilli, you know what I'm saying? A one-hit wonder. It was not. Last year, which was our second Christmas in this house, uh, she was like, hey, what do you think about we doing those lights again? I was like, all right, we'll do the lights. But I, I was really hoping we would be two and through, you know what I'm saying? Like, like we do these lights and, and the holiday season for us is very, very busy. And, and so, you know, we had gone through the holiday and gone through this time and, and, and enjoyed the lights. And it was fun to drive up and all this kind of stuff. But in my mind, I was building my case so that we would not do them any longer, that we would decorate inside and do, you know, we, we hang these wreaths and do some stuff outside, but not go through all the trouble and cost and expense of time that is lights and all this kind of stuff. But we just wouldn't do that. It was a day or two after Christmas this last year. One of those days where you're just trying to take it easy, you know what I'm saying? And I'm sitting at the house, it was night, and our doorbell rang. My wife was in the living room with me and I was like, somebody rang our doorbell. Now the thing is, most of the people that know us just be like, like knocking open, you know, like they don't even, so I was like, I wonder, wonder who this is, this, this is nighttime, so I go to the door and open it. And it's a gentleman standing at the door I've never met. He's going for a walk. It was a nice night. It was cold, but it was a nice night. And he was going for a walk. And he said, he said, hey, um, I know you don't know me, 
But um, but I live I live in, in the apartment building right there. You see, across the street from our from our house is a 10, 11, 12 story apartment building, just a giant apartment building, right? And uh, you know, one side of the apartment building, all the all the units, all the apartments face kind of our house in our direction. The other face uh, the other direction. And so uh, he, he said, I live I live right there, uh, you know, up on the one of the higher floors. And I said, Oh, that's great. And he said, this has, been a, this has been a hard season for me. Now, th- I'd never met this dude in my life. He don't know that I'm a pastor. don't know that I'm a nothing. You know, he, I'm, just, I'm just a guy. <laughs> and he said, it's been a hard season for me. But he said, I just wanted to thank you guys for your lights. He said, every time I look out my window, he said, ain't nobody on up and down the street decorate for Christmas, but y'all do. And he said, just seeing the lights and seeing people come in and out of your house and uh, just it... Every time I looked this way, it encouraged me. He said, I spent this Christmas by myself. And, and every time I think about getting sad, I'd look out and see your lights. And for whatever reason, it encouraged me. Now, my wife is overhearing all this. And so I know in the back of my head, like, I, I am so grateful for the, for the light ministry. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm grateful for it. But at the same time, too, I'm like, dang it, we ain't ever getting done with these lights. We're going to do them every year because she's going to bring up the story about the ring the doorbell. I know it. But I'm here for it. I, I love it. I love celebrating and I love the lights and I love that if it encourages people and that's why we put a gigantic tree in our in our commons area because people come in and go whoa like to lift you but hear me that's not why we celebrate we don't celebrate because of the songs and the sounds we don't celebrate because of the sense we don't celebrate because of the things that we see we celebrate for this one reality that we are told to listen closely to. God and sinners reconciled. The whole reason we celebrate at Christmas, the, the entirety of our singing, the entirety of our preaching, the entirety of our excitement and the joy that will fill the inside of us in this season is that one refrain, God and sinners reconciled. This is the truth that the scripture communicates to us in the book of 2 Corinthians. Paul articulates it this way in verses 18 and 19 of chapter 5 of his letter. He says, everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ. That's Christmas. I know most people probably ain't ever heard a Christmas story preached out of 2 Corinthians. But baby, listen to this. Who has reconciled us to himself through Christ. And he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. I would like to point out two significant realities from these verses that we really should hark today. 
that as we dive into this reality that God and sinners are reconciled. Listen closely to this. I believe there are truths that we need to establish on the inside of us on today. Would you write this down if you're taking notes today? Paul articulates in 2 Corinthians 5 that God made reconciliation your possibility. What are we celebrating at Christmas that God made reconciliation your possibility? Why do we get excited? Why do we do all that we do? Why are people filled with joy and with happiness in this season unlike any other season? Because God made reconciliation your possibility. Now, I understand that it is very on trend to be mad at God. It seems uh, that people are very uh, quick to lean in to any person that wants to air their grievances with God. But you must understand from the truth that we are to heart, and more specifically, the truth that we are to heart from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that um, in the relationship between us and God, he is not the offender relationally. We are. Now, anytime reconciliation is desired, it is only possible if the offended party is willing to reconcile. Now, what happens relationally is often the offender, the one who did something wrong, the one who broke the trust, the one who fractured the relationship, the one who said what they should not have said, who did what they should not have done. Often it is the offender who will want forgiveness. It is the offender who will desire in some capacity for reconciliation because they come to their senses about their wrongs. But unless the one who was offended is willing to grant forgiveness and pursue reconciliation, it's impossible. Unless the one who was offended, the one who was done wrong, the one who was hurt, the one who was, unless they desire to give forgiveness and then beyond that pursue reconciliation, it is impossible. See, I have people that I know personally that I do not want to be reconciled with. Oh, is that too real for you? Then let me go further. I have forgiven them because forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. You can forgive and not be reconciled, but you cannot be reconciled unless you forgive. I have forgiven them, but I've also drawn lines that said, um, what you broke relationally the trust that you abused, the hurt that you did, the damage that you caused, I now have to bring wisdom into this thing. And I can forgive you because I'm supposed to lose count of my forgiving. I cannot hold what you did against you. I can, I can choose not to allow the root of bitterness to establish itself deep on the inside of me. I can forgive you. But it would be unwise for me to try to reconcile with you because I don't even know if you want it. And if you do want it, I don't even know if you've changed enough because you have not proven to me that you are worthy of this reconciliation. Forgiveness and reconciliation are different things. And I have people in my life that I uh, have forgiven. But I have no desire to reconcile with. We ain't walking down that road. We ain't going to be friends like we used to be friends. We ain't going to hang out. We ain't going to spend the holidays together like maybe we used to spend the holidays together. 
And the truth is, it's their fault. It's their fault. And uh, we're going to keep it this way. Because uh, I can't let them take advantage of me. I can't let them take advantage of my family. I can't let them take advantage of, of my the entirety of, I can't let that happen. So I can forgive them, but reconciliation would be unwise. Can we connect this back to God for a second so I can walk you through line by line what I mean? Our need for reconciliation isn't God's fault. It's ours. It's not God's fault that we need to be reconciled. A lot of people want to blame God for, well, why won't God just, listen, <laughs> it's our fault. Therefore, reconciliation doesn't start with our desire. It starts with his. Because we are the offenders. He is the offended. We are the ones who did not do what he asked us to do. We are the ones who did not live up to our end of the agreement. We are the ones who missed the mark. We are the offenders. He is the offended. Which leads us to one more reality that we often don't think about in this great thing worthy of celebration that God and sinners can be reconciled. Please understand, if God didn't want to be reconciled with us, we would have no shot. If God did not desire in his heart, if God did not decide, I want reconciliation with them, we could knock on heaven's door. We could beg and plead and ask and serve and give and do all that we want. But if God didn't want reconciliation, it would be impossible for you and for me. That's why it's insane how most of us think we can get to God. Thinking that somehow we could earn it. Thinking that somehow we could be good enough. Thinking that somehow we could lay out our list of accomplishments and good deeds. Listen, if he didn't offer a reconciliation, reconciliation ain't happening. What he did is he bridged the gap between us and himself that we created through our own sin. Romans tells us in chapter 3 that all of us have sinned. That's you. That's me. That's that newborn baby that you just think is so innocent and beautiful and pretty. That's the holiest person you could think of if you go through the entirety of all the contacts that could ever be in your mind. The nicest, holiest, greatest person you could ever think of. All have sinned. And Romans 6 tells us that the payment or the wages of that sin is death. Romans 5 tells us that when we were utterly helpless... Christ came for us. Not because we were good. In fact, in Romans 5, Paul even says that for a good person, somebody may do this, but like, but like certainly not for, for sinful, evil people like we are. When we were utterly helpless, God came and he gave himself for you and for me. I want you to understand today, friend, in your notes, that God did not come to do something nice for good people. God came to do something necessary for helpless people. What we celebrate at Christmas is not God doing a salad for the good people of this world. It is not God just choosing to add a little bit more blessing, a little bit more goodness to those who are already really, really good people. No, 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 no. You need to understand God came to do something necessary. We have no shot of forgiveness, no shot of relationship, no shot of reconciliation. Because when we were utterly helpless, 
Christmas came. When we had no way to reconnect with God, Christmas came. And that's the joy in this season. That's the hope in this season. The promise in this season. God and sinners reconciled. You can be known by God. Yes, you can. I know you've spent most of your life not concerned about God. I know you've wondered if God ever saw you. God knew you. You've been wondering this and struggling with this. You feel overlooked and you feel insignificant. Please understand, you can be known by God and you can be loved by God and you can be saved by God because you can be connected to God again. You can be reconciled. Hark, this, God and sinners, reconcile. Why then does this reality, this greatest reality in all of human history, why does it not cause within us the celebration that it should? Why does it not cause within our city and within our state and within our country and within our world the celebration that it should? Why are we able to be distracted by little elves and Santa Clauses? Why are we able to be overcome with emotions because of the way someone sings a song that's utterly about an insane time? Why? Do these things distract us and fill us with the feelings that we think we celebrate? Because most people are okay with just being forgiven. The reason that the promise of Christmas, the reason that the joy that this season can bring does not stir within us like it should is because most people are okay being forgiven. They'll say stuff like, well, as long as I make it to heaven, God's forgiven me. That's enough. Not for God. Friend, forgiveness is just the start. I told you, you can forgive and not be reconciled. But you can't be reconciled and not be forgiven. God offers forgiveness because he has a greater goal for you. God offers forgiveness because he has something he wants more for you. Hark! <laughs> What we celebrate in this season is not just the fact that God forgave you. It's not the fact that God made forgiveness possible for you. God made reconciliation your possibility. See, some of us are so content with forgiveness that we never experience what God can do for us and in us and to us and through us. Before I get there, that's verse 2. We're going to come back to that next week. But in your notes today, would you write down a truth of this season and every season that you need to establish on the inside of you? That God wants more for you than forgiveness. He wants reconciliation. God wants more for you than forgiveness. God wants more for you than just to make sure your sin is covered. What he wants is he wants relationship with you again. 
He wants relationship with you like he designed relationship to be for you, for me, from the beginning. We messed up. We broke it. We sinned. But God wanted reconciliation to be your possibility. And so what we celebrate in this season happened. God sent his son. Because he's not just the God who forgives. He's the God who reconciles. God made reconciliation your possibility. But then it goes on a step further in what Paul teaches us in 2 Corinthians 5. Because not only did God make reconciliation your possibility, God makes reconciliation our announcement. It is our work as people of faith. It is our work of those of us who have been reconciled to God to make the announcement that is God and sinners reconciled, communicated to all people at all times in all places. This is why we must hark the herald, or more clearly, listen closely to this announcement. Here is the message of Christmas. Here is the message of the gospel. God is not counting the sins of those who are in Christ against them because he wants relationship with them again because he loves them. And we are to be those who declare this hope, who declare this truth, who declare this promise that reconciliation is available to you. Can I tell you why in this season and in every season, that's why we do all we do? That is why we build a church for all people. You know, it's quite a different concept and quite a different endeavor to build a church for certain people. To build a church for people who maybe already have faith in God. To build a church for people who already have a particular theological or denominational affiliation. To build a church for people of the same income class. To build a church for people of the same ethnic reality. To build a church of people of the same race. To build a church of people of the same generation. But to build a church for all people is a very different endeavor altogether. But it's necessary. Because there are people who do not believe they are loved by God. There are people who do not believe they could be forgiven, much less reconciled to God. And unless there was a church that said, I don't care what you look like, and I don't care what you smell like, and I don't care what you did last week, last month, last year, there is a God who has an announcement for you that he has given to us. What we celebrate, listen close, God and sinners reconcile. Yes, you sinned. Yes, you are a sinner, but you can be reconciled with the God who created you, the God who loves you. That's why we create a church for all people. That's why we do Christmas Palooza. This month, we are going to serve right at 2,000 kids Christmas toys. We're going to partner with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of families to be able to be a blessing to their household. Families who did not know and do not know how they're going to provide toys for their kids are going to have toys provided for their kids. He said, but I thought we were supposed to make an announcement. We are. But sometimes you can't hear what you need to hear 
because you are blinded and blocked by a more basic need. Come on, somebody needs to study Abraham Maslow again. There are, there are needs that we have that are more basic than others. And even though the announcement we have is the most important announcement in human history, some people will never be able to hear it. Some people will never be able to see it because they have a more basic need. That's why we give groceries the way we do. Because I can tell you that God loves you and he sees you and he cares for you. But if you go home to the house and you're still starving, you don't believe that God sees you. But if the people who say they know God and the people who say they love God are making sure you got food to eat, now maybe I can hear what you have to say. The announcement that I need. It's the reason, it's the reason we host services in this season. Specifically Christmas Eve. This year Christmas Eve is on a Sunday. And we'll be hosting services on Christmas Eve. One of the primary reasons we host services on Christmas Eve as a church is because Christmas Eve is the primary time that people who do not go to church, do not know God, would never otherwise consider being in church, say that they want to go to church. Listen, I don't know what you think about me, but man, <laughs> I, I want to be at the house with a cup of hot chocolate, my feet up, in some comfy flannel pajamas on Christmas as much as anybody. You know what I'm saying? Just kick back, relaxing, got friends and family around, eating, taking it easy, laughing. I, yes. But we have an announcement. God and sinners reconciled. Your sin doesn't separate you from God any longer. Your sin does not. Your sin isn't just forgiven. <laughs> You are able to be reconciled in relationship with the one you sinned against. See, many people don't need to just hear this announcement. They need to see it first. They need to see that they're still loved. And that is our work. If you're a person of faith, if you're a Jesus follower, come on, if God has changed you, if you have been Reconciled. Can I tell you, this is our work. God makes reconciliation our assignment. Paul emphasizes this a little more, and then he makes one more point in verse 20 of 2 Corinthians 5. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Can I tell you something, friend, today? We make the announcement, but you're the one who makes the decision. The interesting dynamic between us and God is that he, the offended one, he, the one who was done wrong too, has done all he can and all he needs to do for you to be reconciled with him. And we, with faith in him, have work to do to announce this. But reconciliation is up to you. God's already done his part. That's why we can hark this truth. God and sinners now reconciled because there is nothing more that God needs to do. God made reconciliation your possibility and he makes reconciliation our announcement. But would you catch this final reality on today? You make reconciliation your reality. 
You do. God did the work to give you the opportunity to be reconciled. And if you are in Christ, you are reconciled. If you have received by his grace and your faith the forgiveness of your sin and the reconciliation of relationship between you and him, you are reconciled. You have access to God, your father. Come on, you are his adopted child, part of the family. But if you haven't, you're not. See, the message that we must listen closely to is that now there doesn't have to be separation between you and God. God and sinners now reconciled. That's why I'm pleading to you. Be reconciled to God. He's done his part. Now it's on us. Can I tell you something very sobering but very true today, friend? The only reason you're not reconciled with God is because you don't want to be. You say, but I have. <laughs> but he did. <laughs> you say, but I don't know. Listen. God and sinners now reconcile. This is our announcement. God wants relationship with you. This is what we celebrate at Christmas, that God gave the greatest gift humanity could ever receive, the opportunity to have relationship with him again. He, the one who was offended, he, the one who wrong was done to, said, I will step in and I will not only forgive them, but I want relationship with them so badly that I will pay the price for their sin so that by their faith in my grace, they can be reconciled to me. Your sin doesn't have to keep you from God anymore. I know some of you are listening to me right now and you feel like, but you do not know what I have done. You don't know how I've lived. You don't know how I've treated people. You're right. God does. And he said, I want to be reconciled with you. I want to be reconciled with you. Your sin is not too much for me. I want to be reconciled with you. You don't have to. Some of you need to get this in your heart. You don't have to stop with forgiveness anymore. See, some of you live with such a low view of what God has done for you. You say, well, I'm just grateful that I'm forgiven. Baby, you're more than forgiven. In Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Listen to me. God and sinners now reckon sight. Everything you did to create separation between you and God, God has forgiven, forgotten, and taken away so that you can be close to him again. The good news of this Christmas that must be heard and ultimately heeded is that God and sinners can now be reconciled. A friend, if that's you today, you're listening to this podcast, watching at church online, maybe you're joining us on YouTube today and you just, you're just watching this. You stumbled across a video because it seemed Christmassy. I'm glad you're here. Can I tell you the truth and the hope and the promise that you have today? You can be reconciled with God. You can be reconciled with God. Not just forgiven, reconciled. That you can know what it's like to have purpose that he gives. You can know what it's like to live forgiven because you know that you stand pure and blameless before him. You can know what it's like for him to bless your life and to, and to direct your life and to lead your life. You can know him personally. 
You have to make reconciliation your reality. He has done all he can, all he needs to do. Now, it's up to you. So if you're listening right now, watching right now, and you say, Michael, I need to be reconciled with God. My relationship with God is not what it needs to be. I need to be reconciled with him. I, I, I hear the announcement and I understand the reality. And I know for me, I'm not where I need to be with God. I am not reconciled with him and I want to be. I believe he has done everything. Now, all he's waiting on is my faith. And today I wanna to put my faith on his grace and receive reconciliation with him. Friend, that's your opportunity today. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer right now. And wherever you're at, wherever you're watching this from, you can pray this with me. Just repeat these words as I pray. And when you do, what's gonna happen is Christ is gonna come and live on the inside of you. The scripture says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, we will be saved. In this moment, not another moment, in this moment, not once you get your act together, in this moment. Because God has done everything needed, everything required for reconciliation to be possible with you. So if you say, man, I need that today. Would you pray this prayer with me? Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me, for coming for me, for dying for me, and for saving me. Today, I receive the salvation that you offer me. Forgive me of my sin. And God, I want to know you personally. Thank you, God, for making reconciliation possible for me. God, I pray that you would help me to love you, to trust you, to know you, and to follow you every day of my life. Thank you that I, a sinner, am now reconciled with you. I love you. I give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, Christ lives on the inside of you. Before you tune out of church online, would you simply click that button that's right there in the chat right now saying, I just committed my life to Jesus? Come on, would you take a second? Maybe you're listening to this podcast. You can go to our website. You can fill out a yellow card. You can contact our office. We would love to celebrate with you. We'd love to help you celebrate through water baptism and make a public public declaration of the faith that you now have, that you, yes, were a sinner, but you have been reconciled with God. That's the good news of this season. That is what we celebrate. That is what all people need to hark to. Amen. Amen.